Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a stand-up comedian, writer, and director based in Los Angeles. Welcome, Ahmed Weinberg. What's up? <laughs> that was, that was the, the greeting that came to mind. And that's all I'm going to say for the rest of the podcast. Honestly, we could just stop right now. That's good. That's good. Yeah. People, people are already going to stop listening. So it kind of doesn't matter what we say from this point people out. People listen to my podcast. It's really disturbing because really? sometimes they're wrong. Like sometimes it's like, a, like I'll do things sometimes and be like, if you're this far, like DM me and say this. And then I'll get DM. I'm like, why? Like, are you okay? Well, I mean, you have a lot of followers on Instagram. So people are obviously into what you're doing and they want to listen right? And now you're just hyping me up. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's like hard to accept that people like you. I'm always like living in a weird pit of like denial that anyone is like a fan of me or like appreciates my work. I'm always just like <laughs> looking at what like Rami's doing and being like, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should unpack that. And I'm like, you know, honestly, can't really, I really like myself and assume that everyone also really fucking likes me. <laughs> that sounds nice. That sounds like everyone in Florida. <laughs> no, people in Florida fucking hate themselves and hate everyone. I'm convinced because no one wants to protect anyone from um, getting the virus. They just are like, you know what? Let's all die together. Dude, yeah, that's the vibe in LA right now. It's like, okay, things are spiking. Like when you look at the news, it almost seems like it's like a joke. Like it's not real. Cause then you walk outside and like drive by restaurants and everyone's just like drinking and like getting drunk and hanging out and like giving each other COVID. Like it's and, like touching each other and like breathing on each other. Yeah, like it's crazy. If restaurants, if, if like nightclubs and comedy clubs and, and like things of that nature were open, they would just be packed. hundred percent. Yeah. No, people would with no hesitation. The only thing that's preventing them is that they're not open. But like, I live in downtown and there's like a ton of bars around me and people are just like, and nothing has changed. It's like everything's totally normal. Some people are wearing masks, but like, does it even matter when you're like, you know, all crammed into like a small space? Like, I feel like it doesn't. But you actually were tested positive for COVID-19 in March. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's in the past, though, because now I test <laughs> now I tested negative. So that's my new brand. I'm uh, I'm a guy who doesn't doesn't have COVID. That's my new You're brand. rebranding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was scary because I was like I was an early recipient of this wonderful disease that I, I got it so early that my doctors were like very sure I didn't have it because they they just didn't know what it was. You know, they were like, oh, your cough is not dry. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, you didn't lose your t sense of taste or smell. Well, then you don't have COVID. Like they just didn't understand that it was more complex. And like, yeah, so they were just like telling me I didn't have it. And I was like, well, my fever is like at 103. And they were like, well, you probably have pneumonia. And then I went in and got my chest x-rayed and they were like, you have pneumonia. And I was like, okay, that's probably part of COVID though. And they were like, nah, that's not part of COVID. Like they just didn't, they just literally had no idea what they were talking about. It's like a and, fun little uh, guessing game, which is deeply concerning because you don't want doctors to be like, just kind of like, no, it's, it's probably just this. I, to this day, will never understand why they were, like, not taking the safer route of assuming I did have COVID. Because they, like, 
this when I I took antibiotics for my pneumonia and it went away and I went back in for a follow up and the doctor like took off his mask. Oh my and god! Was like he was like, I'm sure you don't have COVID. He was like, he was he took off his mask as like a statement to be like, look, dude, like I'm gonna risk my entire family's health right now what because the I'm, fuck? I'm sure you don't have it, dude. He kept saying, dude. He he really wanted to prove a point to you, like I'm not afraid of you. Like I'm taking my mask off. In fact, like let's sit closer to each other. Like that's how sure I am that you don't. That's so insane to me that even after you were, it seems like you were kind of persistent about it. Like, Hey, maybe it's COVID. Oh yeah. I, I sent like all these like, like letter, like emails, not letters. <laughs> letters. That would be funny. I'm like <laughs> handwriting letters, like dearest doctor. You I should have, do that. You can, you could still do it. I have become overtaken with a <laughs> wild new disease you may have heard of. No, but they were like so adamant and sure that I didn't have it. And then after my pneumonia checkup, they were like, you can resume socializing. And that was like, I didn't because I still thought I had it. Like, luckily I just continued to trust my gut. Yeah. Plus I don't have anyone to hang out with because I'm a loser, as I mentioned, (laughs) but I just like didn't do it. And then I got tested as soon as I realized you could and it came back positive. And then I had to like tell everyone that I had hung out with. Uh, the weekend before I got sick, which was... Oh, God, that sucks. That's like telling someone you gave him an STD. Exactly. Yeah, it was just like that. And I, the <laughs> day before I got sick, it was like, I went to a, I went to brunch at my friend's studio apartment. There were like five of us there. And then, uh, and then I went to a birthday party in the park, and I was around like 100 people there, and sharing dip and talking close and hanging out. Like, we were just it was like mayhem thinking back on it, like before, before lockdown. And then, and then I hung out with two of my friends in my car. We like took a nap in my car, got, got dinner. (laughs) As you do, as you do, as an adult, you just get in the car with your friend, you take a fucking quick nap. You just, you know, well, I thought I was tired, but turns out I was experiencing COVID actually. That's fair. Cause I'm like, do do you regularly nap in your car? Is that a thing that you do? Is that an LA thing? Um, people meditate in their cars. I don't know if people nap in their cars, but a lot of times <laughs> you see someone with their eyes shut in their car and they're just meditating. That's definitely something I've seen. But yeah, and then I went to a wedding party that night. So I was around like maybe, you know, 300 people total. And I had to like call the couple who got married. I had to call my friend whose birthday it was. I, I, it was like a fucked up day for me, it was scary. And everyone was very kind and nice. And well, like, that's good. Yeah, luckily nobody freaked out at me. So, And very few of those people got COVID. Actually, none of them that I know of. So that part's really weird, too. I don't really understand how I didn't, how I didn't transmit it. But I guess somehow I didn't. I mean, COVID is just generally very confusing. Like, I know people who don't wear masks or take any sort of precautions and they don't have it. And I'm not saying that I, like, want them to get it. But at the same time, it's like, what the fuck? Like, how are you not getting it when you're, like, basically just, like, in close contact with people constantly and not covering yourself? Or I don't know. Like, you should probably have it by now. But I'm probably going to get it. And I'm fucking paranoid and don't leave my house. Yeah, I mean, it especially sucks for people that have allergies where they like start coughing around this time. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it, it like hit allergy season perfectly. Yep. You know, it was like, very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I woke up in my throat, like felt a little just, like itchy, scratchy. I'm like, is this allergies? Or am I 
getting COVID, like what's happening. And there was always this like little part of me that's like, should probably just keep an eye out for like a high temperature. Yeah, that's what I would say. Cause so many people reached out to me once I like, I posted about testing positive. People were just like reaching out being like, I have this, like, as if I was a doctor, (laughs) just like, (laughs) I have this symptom and like, I haven't been sleeping well. And like, I was like, yeah, just get, get a thermometer. Like, I don't really know what to tell you, but I mean, I feel like you seem pretty qualified. Like I might ask you if I ever feel like I have COVID, like, Hey, like, what do you think? Because you knew that you had it before anyone else did. So it seems like you have a pretty good gauge on medicine. Yeah. I mean, I could probably freelance as a doctor. Yeah. You're basically a doctor. It's fine. I I feel like I'm a doctor, like regularly on a regular basis. I tell my friend who is a doctor who probably really finds it annoying, but I'm like, yeah, I'm basically a doctor. Like I know exactly what to do. (laughs) Now, do a lot of Muslims become doctors or that's a very Jewish thing, obviously, but I feel like it's a, it's a pretty Muslim thing. Am I wrong? I love that you're asking me like you're not Muslim. Like I really enjoy that. <laughs> Dude, but I'm not normal Muslim. I'm you're like fine. Who is a normal Muslim? What is a normal Muslim? Like who are these people? They don't exist. They do. They were raised in like a community of like religious devout Muslims that I like, was. Yeah, like I wasn't. I was raised in like a Sufi hippie uh That's edgy. Like, yeah. I'm I'm an alt Muslim. <laughs> I feel like that is a thing though. Like on TikTok, alt Muslims are a thing. You Dude, should join yeah. them. They're your people. Yeah, what is alt TikTok? Because people are always like, this is alt like beef TikTok, and it's a guy cooking beef. And I'm like, what is <sighs> I don't know what alt beef TikTok is, but like the genre of like alt TikTok to my understanding is like when you're like a girl and you have like a random purple strand of hair and like maybe you're wearing like a harness on top of like a crop top then you're like mm. alt and then you're like in alt tiktok right your hair has to have one strand yeah i know yes yeah i just got on tiktok so i'm i just got one of my videos got taken down for being offensive so i'm, I'm what did you do very, well i just posted this character I posted a clip of me doing stand-up as this um, hacky, hacky comic version of a Hamid Weinberg. Like, if I was like a very hacky comedian, how I would do like I'm half Jewish and I'm half Muslim. Like, I support ISIS, but I but I write it off. Like those kind of jokes <laughs> that are just like heavy stereotype, like bad bad jokes. But yeah, TikTok didn't understand the nuance. They a lot of people just like peep responded and were like, you're an asshole. This is so offensive and I hate you and you're not funny and you should quit and you should die and things of that nature that I was really into it. I was, I was just loved yeah. checking it and being like, what horrible thing has someone said about me now? It's kind Isn't of fun. something kind of fun about that. Like when you know that there's going to be horrible comments, like sometimes people will be like, you're a whore. And I'm like, that's annoying. But at the same time, like, what else are you going to say? And what else are other people going to say? And like, I kind of wanted to keep happening, but I also wanted to stop. People call you a whore. Oh yeah. All the time. Muslim people. Muslims call you a whore. Muslims definitely there's a lot of weird like hijab gatekeeping it's like a whole thing it's like you can't do this because you wear a hijab and like I don't even wear one but I'm gonna fucking tell you that you can't do this and I'm like why this is why everyone hates Muslims um (laughs) wait that's so interesting (laughs) because you wear a hijab so like what are you doing that makes them 
Is it because your hair is kind of showing or like... No, my hair is actually never showing, not to brag, but like (laughs) I've never shown like even a strand of hair. I'm very good at that. I have the tools required Mm -hmm. in order to like prevent that from happening. But really it's more so for my convenience, but that's a whole other... That's a whole other thing. But it's because they're annoyed that I'm like a woman and I have like a body. They just like don't like that. They're like, you you have a body and you're a woman and like you can kind of see that you have like a womanly body and I don't like that. And so you're a whore because why aren't you wearing a trash bag to like make sure that no part of your body is showing at all, basically. Right. Yeah. They're like, hey, if you're going to wear a hijab, you might as well wear a poncho because I don't yes. want to know yes, that yes. you have boobs. Exactly. And like all women have boobs, like a possible title for this episode. Great. Actually great title. All women have boobs. Um, and like, yeah, it's like, it's not like a secret. Like even if I, you know, I can't, I love that this conversation is coming up while I'm talking to a male guest, like not a female guest. I'm like, you know what? Let's talk about this. Let's, let's really get into it. Like if you have big boobs, it's very hard to conceal them unless you wear like a poncho and then you just look really fat, which there's nothing wrong with being fat, but like, I'm not fat. So I don't want to look fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't relate, but yeah, I understand. If you, I would love if you were like, you know what? I, you I know, know what? exactly what that feels like. You should wear a fat suit. Under, I feel like that seems problematic. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit problematic. But if you wear a fat suit and a hijab people would be like you're really you're a really good muslim because i'm not like attracted to you a hundred percent that's what that's what a good muslim is someone i'm not attracted to yeah that i think that's what they're mainly upset about it seems like based off of my um investigation um but you know it's just like again it's like a part of this whole like muslim thing it's like some person feeling like they have the authority to decide how Muslim you are. It's like an ongoing, I think, issue that I think most young Muslims have experienced to some degree. Have you experienced people like telling you like, you're not Muslim enough, or you're giving Muslims like a bad reputation? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the comments of my videos, it's always like, you're not a real Muslim. Or like, people will ask, like, is this a Muslim? And someone will respond and be like, no. Or even some people do research. (laughs) And they're like, actually, his parents converted and he was raised in Philadelphia in this like, Sufi community, like they, like people will actually like, look into me and like, respond, which is kind of cool, because they're not at least they're not saying, uh, no, he's like, uh, he's going to hell. They're like, no, this is what he is. But like, it definitely like Muslims tend to, I had a video up and this guy was like, you're not a real Muslim. And I responded and I was like, I went on a pilgrimage to Mecca. Like I'm, I'm like a Haji, you know? And Did you really? And, yeah. I went when I was 10, I was like dragged, but it was still technically Umrah, I would, actually, I would throw it out when I was like eight. And also, yeah, I feel like that definitely counts because I got pushed around and I'm like, you should not be pushing around a small child, but that's a whole other issue. Oh, you mean when you were at the, at the grand mosque, you got pushed. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I'm a child. Yeah. Like you should probably Dude, like, I, not push children. I mean, it's scary. Like when you're trying to get to the Kaaba and there's like that mosh pit and it's like, yeah, it's literally a fucking mosh pit. And let me tell you, I avoid mosh pits at every live show that I've ever been to because I don't want to get punched in the face. Yeah. I was, I was terrified. I was like holding onto my mom's dress or whatever she was wearing. And like, 
we got lost in this huge shove shoving match and I'm holding onto my mom's dress, like as, as tightly as possible. And seems like she's like trying to pull away from me. I'm like holding on for dear life. And it feels like my mom's like trying to shove me off of her and I'm crying and I can't see anything. And like, and like all these people are shoving me and kicking me. And then I, I'm like holding onto this dress and we get out into like an opening and it wasn't even my mom. I just had like grabbed onto this random woman who like was trying to get off. Like, That's get me actually off of really sad. Like, I feel like if I, if that was me as a child, like I would be traumatized. It was pretty traumatic. I mean, I definitely was like, thought my mom was like trying to get rid of me. And then when we, when we got into the opening and I realized it wasn't my mom, I was then, I was then terrified that like, where's my mom? Yeah. It was some random Muslim woman who was like, who's this fucking ginger? (laughs) The only redhead in Mecca. And I'm just like holding onto her for dear life. I mean, honestly, could be worse. Like if a little random ginger kid was like grabbing onto me, I'd be like, kind of cute. Like, you can hang out, little guy. I guess she didn't feel that way. Dishers are scary. I mean, have I made jokes about Lindsay Lohan and called her a fire crotch? Absolutely. But, like, as an adult, I know that they're just, like, people just like me, and they just have, like, different hair. Yeah, that's what you think, but actually... (laughs) It's like, don't look into a ginger's eyes. They'll steal your soul. I mean, gingers are... I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I'd say I really want I, you to. <laughs> you feel different from everyone because you're like, I can't go outside. Like that's a big thing. I get really like Do you feel affected to the by sun? the sunlight. Oh yeah, I would get like insane sunburns when I was a kid, and I hated wearing sunblock. I mean, now I wear sunblock a lot and like Good very job. responsible. But great would get like fucked up by the sun when I was a kid. And, you know, I luckily in my school, like people didn't really make fun of me for being a ginger, but I was like, I remember before puberty being like, Oh no, I'm going to have red pubes. And like, that makes me bad. And, and, and wait, gross. why do you think that that would make you bad? I feel like if I was like a little boy, I'd be more concerned about like, Oh no, ew, gross pubes. Not like, Oh no, they're going to make me bad. No, I wanted pubic hair because that means i'm a man okay okay gotcha i guess the male experience is different than the female experience maybe it's different yeah i just wanted to like i don't know and i feel like like it it, dude i mean i went to an all-boys school too so like guys would be like i got my pubes like they would come in and be like check it out here's my pube and they would show off their like one pube and uh i would i like was a bit later uh, in, in, in receiving them. But then I was terrified because I was like, Oh no, they're going to be red. And that means I'm different and, and bad. And uh, there's a term for it called fire crotch. And, and that's a, ter- that's a term that means like loser or like different. So it was a moment, it was a moment of like, I had to accept that, that, that yeah, they were going to be red and I had to, come to terms with that 
So, I mean, honestly, I feel like you grew a lot in that experience because I think a lot of adults that I know don't even come to terms with things like that about themselves like until much later in life. So it's actually very impressive that as a child, you were able to like, you know, kind of be like, listen, this is what's going to happen. You were thinking long term. You're like, I'm going to experience this. I have to mentally prepare myself and then, you know, accept it because that's who I am. I'm I'm a ginger. I was going to call I you mean, a fire crotch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true. It's true. It's all true. Look, everything you've heard about growing up as a red. I mean, the other thing is you can't complain about it because you're white and you aren't being like you, you still have like all the white privilege basically. Yes. But then there's just like little inconveniences of like, man, I have to like wear a lot of sunblock or like, uh, you're going to look young forever. You know, this is going to sound really creepy, but like I, I, I research all my guests before they come on. And I was like looking at pictures of you and like, generally speaking, white people don't age very well. This is just like a known fact. They just, you know, they don't, it's fine. I'm pretty yeah. white. So I got to wear a lot of sunscreen. And I noticed that you don't have many wrinkles on your face. And most white men who are the same complexion as you at your age would have way more wrinkles. So now everything is actually making perfect fucking sense because you've been slathering on sunscreen. Only recently though, I, I think it's a miracle because I, I really like for a long time, especially in LA when I moved here like nine years ago, just didn't wear sunblock. Um, so I, I only started, you know, maybe like two or three years ago, like really being responsible about it. But I think like I'm just lucky and that my skin hasn't gotten all fucked up from the sun. And Keep putting that sunscreen on though. <laughs> I know. I mean, now I do. And I'm like balding on the top of my head a little bit. So I have to put a little sunscreen up there, which is kind of fun. You probably don't know this. I love sunscreen. Like I actually have gone on like long rants about sunscreen and the importance of it and how like if you get melanoma and you don't wear sunscreen, you probably deserved it. Uh, So I'm very happy right now. I love like Muslims tuning into a podcast that's like potentially about Islam and they're just learning about what it's like to be a redhead. Well, no one is tuning in to learn about Islam. Let me just put that out there. Everyone is tuning in to hear me maybe like um, be an asshole and then like, who's the guest going to be? And then how is the guest going to react to that? Because it's always different. Like, I'm sure you've been on podcasts before. Like, it's always going to be a little bit different with every guest, like the vibe. Sometimes it's more serious. Sometimes like people talk about Mm -hmm. like really vulnerable topics. But then I get really excited when I can have um, a comic on because you guys are really just down to talk about anything. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm down to, you can, you can say whatever you want or make fun of me or. Oh, I don't um, want to make fun of you. No, no, no. And I've also already called you a fire crotch like twice. So. (laughs) That was actually Lindsay Lohan. You never (laughs) once called me that, but feel free to start. Um, so wait, so. How often do Muslim people try to correct you on the, how you pronounce your first name? Like how oh, often yeah. do people like, oh no, it's Ahmed. I've talked about this a lot. Like it has always been extra weird that my name's Ahmed, not because being Muslim's weird, but because it's not a, even a Muslim name. Like it, it's like Ahmed or Muhammad. And like people, like I get in Ubers and the driver's just like, you know, your name is wrong. Like, like a Muslim driver is always like ah, Ahmed. And I'm like, ah, yeah, sure. And they're like, it's Ahmed. Like they could tell that I was about to correct them. Like they'll be like, it's Ahmed. And I'll be like, 
okay, it's actually a Hamid, but that's fine. They'll be like, it's Ahmed. And they're like, it's wrong. Like they'll point to the second A and be like, that's wrong. And <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't even know because of like how I grew up, like my parents had this guru from Sri Lanka and the guru gave my mom uh, my name. So it was like a Hamid is actually uh, comes from like Sri Lankan dialect, uh, Tamil. So it's not even like it's, it's, it's the same name. It's just like a different dialect and a different language. And I actually like traveled to Sri Lanka when I was 20 with my parents and saw like a Hamid's pharmacy, like a Hamid's grocery store. And I was like, Oh, that's why like, yeah, I was like, Oh, this is where I belong actually. And I mean, I don't Uh, think that that is like an uncommon thing. Like I think that a lot of times there are names that I guess technically are Arabic, but then because of, you know, the region or whatever, like they just pronounce them differently and then they spell them different. Like, I don't think that that's like that outlandish. I just think that people are just uncultured. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Muslims though, like we were saying, like they really, they like the rules. They're really do. They really like the rules and they really want to say you're not a Muslim and they really want to say like, you're doing it wrong. And like, yeah, it's funny. Even when I shot my web series, we like shot a prayer scene in a mosque and we were just shooting. Like we weren't actually praying. Like I was just, I just taught everyone like, Oh, this is how you like do Salat. Like, you know, you go to your knees and then come back up and then go all the way back down and then come back up. And like, there was a Muslim who was like really trying to like correct me. And I was like, no, 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 we're not like doing the real prayer. I'm just like, we're just getting these shots of us looking like we're praying. And he like, couldn't accept it. He was like, no, no, like you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And it was just like, yeah, I, I feel like that's a very Muslim thing. Whereas Jews don't really give a shit. They're just kind of like, Oh, we're just kind of like hanging out. Like the traditions are like fun and funny and interesting, but it's more just about being together. And it's like cute. (laughs) But I also feel like Jews are like, we don't want anyone else to like, we, we are, we're good. Like we don't want new Jews. Like we don't need new recruits. And it's so ironic because Muslim people are like all about Dawah and like trying to like convert people like little rabid Muslims. But then at the same time, they're like, be a Muslim. But at the same time, I'm going to tell you that you're not a fucking Muslim. So it's like a big trick. Yeah. They're like, please do this thing that we're going to tell you you're doing wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like kind of annoying. It's like, if someone was like, Hey, I'll, you should like, you should come play golf with me. It's really fun. And then you go and they're like, Hey, you suck at this. Like, they're just like yelling at you the whole time. Like that. I would probably not want to play golf anymore. Exactly. And that's why, like, you know, for me, it's the more people yell at me about not being like the right kind of Muslim, the more like, because I'm petty, it makes me want to like, even be louder about who I am. And like, even though I was raised in like a very religious household, my parents are super religious. Like that's the environment I was raised in. Like even my own parents don't say that to me, but like random people on the internet in general are assholes, but like just Muslim people, they're just like a really specific breed of asshole where they're just like, just take your hijab off. I know. Well, I mean, Jews, it's also like much more of a cultural religion. Like you just kind of get to be Jewish. If you, I mean, it's also, I guess, a race, you know, so that's yes. different. But like, you know, you get to just like be like, hey, I'm Jewish. And that's like all you have to do. You don't have to like do anything else. You're just like Jewish. Whereas Islam is way more like, 
well, you have to do the, you know, there's the five pillars and there's all this stuff. And, you know, it's like much more demanding, I would say. I read this article that you wrote for the Times, I think, and you kind of talked about like your religious journey, I guess. And were you, did you practice Judaism for a time? No, I never practiced Judaism per se. I went on birthright, which is, you know, this trip to Israel that I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. So you know about birthright. So like, yeah, I, I was in college. I had a, I had a Jewish roommate who was like, Hey, you should really think about doing birthright. It's like, it's really fun. It's a free trip, you know? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I, I like interviewed for it. Cause I was like, why not? And they just loved me. Cause it was, I was like, you know, I was raised Muslim, but my father was a, a Jewish man who converted and they were just like, Oh shit, this is like a Muslim Jew. They're, they're, yeah. they, 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 they even bypassed their rule, which is that your mother is supposed to be Jewish for you to go on the trip. And uh, like, cause my mother was, you know, Catholic and converted to Islam. So they were like, Hey, we can convert this Muslim back to Judaism. Like, I think that was kind of like the real selling point for me. Yeah. And, um, and then I basically, it, it kind of worked. I mean, I went on this trip. I didn't know really much about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. You know, I, I just kind of went because it was a free trip. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. And, you know, it's like being a Muslim in America is you very much, at least this was my experience, you kind of don't feel like you really belong in like the culture of America, like everything was just Christmas and Ramadan kind of seemed like the opposite as far as like values and, and yeah. tradition go. And as it, in, in Israel on birthright, it was like, Hey, Ahmed, like, guess what? Like you're Jewish and like you belong with us and you're one of us and we love you. And like, look at this That's amazing, so nice. <laughs> look at this amazing place that like, you belong to and like you can just come here and like everyone will feed you and and like look at all these beautiful women and look at all these the soldiers they're they're like so hot and cool and they like know so much and they're so passionate like and like all and you just kind of form these like really strong bonds with your group you know and uh i left that trip being like man i am so fucking jewish like i'm like the most jewish person ever and i love being jewish and uh i went home and told my parents and they were like you should learn about what's happening like a little bit before you before you just kind of go in this down this rabbit hole of like yeah. i want to live on a kibbutz i want to go back i want to marry a jewish girl like i i want it i want it all like and luckily i, I like went out to la as soon as i got back to the states um for, for an internship. So I, I didn't have a chance to really like dive back into like the Jewish community that I went on the trip with. I, I kind of like had to separate from it and I became, you know, when I, when I moved to LA I just kind of lost, lost all of those feelings that I felt. So and close. I know they almost had me. This episode of Arab American Psycho is sponsored by The Doe. The Doe is a digital publication sharing anonymous stories to promote civil disclosure and provides a platform to lesser-known, often marginalized stories. 
The Doe publishes unfiltered narratives from verified anonymous sources, drawing attention to a broad spectrum of viewpoints that encourage readers to confront their own biases. Each month, the Doe explores new themes. This month's theme is education, and I came across the narrative titled, How Can We Teach in the Wake of George Floyd? from the perspective of a high school social studies teacher. This particular narrative talks about how unlearning can help fix systematic problems. And I, for one, think that we can all learn something from this narrative. I want to share a quote from this narrative that really resonated with me. The author writes, Teachers must now decide if we'll continue to be a part of the problem or if we'll finally use our voices to advocate for necessary change. Right now, many of us in education are embarking on what's being called unlearning, where we work to shed our own personal biases, both overt and covert, acknowledging our own privileges, and seek ways to be better allies and partners for our Black, Indigenous, and people of color friends, family, and students. End quote. Since the horrific and tragic murder of George Floyd, there has been a lot of conversation circulating around educating ourselves as well as unlearning, and I believe it's something that everyone could improve on. I've definitely been making more of a conscious effort to observe any negative learned behaviors I might have unintentionally absorbed, and that's okay. I really loved reading this narrative, as well as so many other amazing narratives available on the Doe's website, and I highly recommend visiting thedoe.com. Again, that's the doe like a female deer dot com to read the rest of this beautiful piece thank you again to the doe for sponsoring this episode now back to the conversation i just can't believe that what like because I, I have a lot of jewish friends who've gone on birthright and they're like yeah i know you just kind of don't really see like any of the things that are like happening there with the palestinians and stuff i'm like how are they hiding this like where are they taking you like how is it concealed so well and like how is it like sold to you as this like dream when like probably like five miles away someone some child is like you know throwing a rock well yeah i mean it's it is like it's like if you have a friend who's like in a tumultuous relationship like you're just gonna hear their side of the story and yeah. you're going to be like, oh, man, your boyfriend's an asshole or your girlfriend's an asshole. And then if you met that person, they would tell you, like, everything that your friend is doing that's wrong. Like, it, it, it was literally just they were, like, taking us to bombed out cities that, you know, Palestinians uh, attacked and being like, this is the uh. our side. This is like, look at this school that was, like, shelled. And look at all the holes in the wall and look how sad it is. And they were just kind of show you like the battle zones on, on their side that were, yeah. you know, and so that's how they did it. And then smart. a lot of it I'm is, not going to lie. It's pretty smart. Dude, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like the Jewish struggle is, is not legitimate. And like, no, it definitely is. The museums are very sad and, you know, you learn a lot of things that are like very tragic about the history of the Jewish people, but they just don't show you the other side of the Palestinian, you know, conflict at all. So you go on birthright. You're like, I love Judaism. You moved to LA. How old were you? Um, I was 21 at the time. Oh, so you're like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I was a baby. And I, as soon as I got to LA, I, I knew I wanted to like drop out of college and stay out here and, and pursue stand up. So 
I just like wanted that way more than I wanted to be Jewish. And I just like <laughs> dove headfirst into like you the comedy. You can't be both though. You know that, right? Like there's a lot of comedians that are Jews. Like actually like all of them, I feel like are. <laughs> well, I guess like the, the obsession that I felt about <laughs> Judaism, I just transferred that. I transferred that to stand up. And, and okay. <laughs> yeah. And then like, but I, I wasn't really religious at all for a long time. Um, Cause I was just pursuing comedy and comedy is very, at least at the time was, you know, the viewpoints around stand up was, was just a lot of atheism and a lot of godlessness and a lot of stuff that, you know, I wasn't exposed to any like religious thinking for a long time. Yeah. And I had to like kind of get back into it at a certain point. Was there something that like something that happened that made you feel like, you know what, maybe let me like check out what's going on with like God and like what's, what that's all about. Or did it just happen kind of organically? Um, well, I, I was always actually fasting for Ramadan. You love Ramadan. I do. I mean, it's so, it's so easy and fun, you know, it's just like, it's a walk through the park, you know? (laughs) I mean, I mean, I like like spiritual exercises. So I like meditating and I like stuff like that. So Ramadan, yeah. even even when I was struggling with my faith about God, I could still fast for a month and like be like, whoa, this makes me really appreciate what I have and it makes me like feel much more gratitude for my life. And you know, I could I could un- I could just kind of put it in that framework and it's still and it also was like a cool connection back to my childhood, which you know, I missed and I felt guilt about abandoning and being so far away and all this stuff. So it did kind of Ramadan kind of pulled me through, I would say. The thing is, is like, I like the idea of Ramadan, but then when it's like happening, I'm just like, why? Like, is it over? Like, and I feel so guilty saying that, but like, I wish I want to one day go through Ramadan and just be like, I love every second of this. I don't want it to be over. It hasn't happened for me yet, but I'm just, I, every year I'm like, maybe this is the year that like, I'm just going to be like, I love this so much. Well, isn't that like, but you have a community, right? So like when you break fast, you could be with people. I mean, not this year, obviously, but, um, or maybe you were, maybe you're with your family and you could break fast. Like, I think the hard part of fasting in my world, in my experience has been doing it alone. Um, yeah, I would imagine that that makes it difficult. Yeah. I think like being able to break your fast with your friends and experiencing it together is, it's very, makes it much easier. Yeah, no, I definitely think that having like a sense of community, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I really disconnected from my like community when I was like in my early twenties, just because I thought it was like pretty toxic, but I do Mm -hmm. usually break fast with my family. Um, but I'm assuming in LA, you don't really have like a, a Muslim community. No, I had Muslim friends who were comedians. Um, but they both moved to New York and there is a family who lives out here who is from my Sufi community who I've spent time with, but yeah, for the most part, I don't really have Muslim community out here. Yeah. And I think I I definitely take it for granted because I do have like a, such a gigantic family. So like there's always someone around or whatever, but do your parents, like, how do they feel about you being a comedian and speaking so 
openly about the things that you talk about? Because you do talk a lot about like, you know, I guess things that would be considered to be taboo. I read somewhere that you talk a lot about weed, but I've never seen I like did a little I watched a few of your videos. I didn't hear you talk about weed at all. But there is an article online that says you love talking about weed. I want you to know that. Oh, that's funny. I think I wrote that. I think I, in a bio of, like, I had to write my own bio and I just wrote, Ahmed Weinberg loves talking about weed or something. I don't know why I wrote, I was probably... It's not true. I don't think it is. It's not true. I have, like, three jokes about weed and (laughs) I don't know why I wrote that. Very misleading. I was like, ooh, where are the weed jokes? I have, like, yeah three jokes about weed that i used to tell but i retired them so yeah i'm like pretty sober at the moment very not weed very not weed i feel that so my thing is i have young listeners so i always like to say this i think that people shouldn't smoke weed until their brains are fully developed i can i can like back that up because i smoked weed when i was like young and I definitely feel like it affected how like quickly my brain works, but Hey, if you're the type of guy who doesn't mind just kind of being blown away by the idea of like a tree at 30, then go, go for it. But like I did, I did like live with this weird kind of self-consciousness of like, man, do I, am I, is my memory this bad because I like smoked weed when I was young? Yeah. You know, you kind of like, you're going to like think about it the rest of your life and kind of like not know if it did or did not like fuck your brain up. So it's better to just err on the side of safety and not smoke weed when you're like a kid. But I mean, it was also a lot of fun. I will say like, those were like my favorite weed years were like when I was a child. So (laughs) how young were you when you you keep saying childhood, I'm like imagining like five-year-old Hamid, like lighting Mm -hmm. up a blunt. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how young were you? Yeah, I guess I mean, like, I was, like, a freshman in high school. Like, Okay, like, 14? Is that that 14? 15, 14, 16. Yeah, those years. I would say, like, yeah, wait until you're, like, 20 or something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like 25. That's usually – I feel like that's when your brain is, like, done doing brain stuff is, like, 25. Yeah. Everything's better when you're an adult. You don't have to like hide your things. And like my parents really reacted negatively to me getting high. It wasn't worth like the pain of making my dad so upset, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Cause your parents weed is like crack. Yeah. And like, I think my dad was like raised in this really hippie household where there were a lot of drugs around and he like kind of pictured me like heading down this really dark path if I started getting into drugs. So it really mm-hmm. like, it really affected him. So. Cause it's like a gateway drug. That's, that's how it was kind of marketed. It's a gateway drug to like good music and it's a gateway drug to like doing mushrooms, but I don't think it's a gateway drug to like crack. I mean, maybe I think it just depends who you are. I think it's like, if you're someone who like, really has an addictive personality and like wants the next level of escape. But I've always found like weed was like way too intense. And like, even now I like can't do it because it's just so intense. So I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't understand how it's a gateway drug. Cause I'm every time I smoke weed, I'm like, I wish there was a way like less potent 
drug that I would, that I could do. Cause this shit is like, I mean, maybe just weed now is like so cracky. I want to get back to kind of what your parents kind of think about your comedy, I guess. I mean, what do you think about my comedy? I don't know if they're disappointed. They've never shown it. And actually my my mom has been disappointed uh, about specifically podcasts and uh, like talking about sex and uh, talking about, I don't know. I don't think weed like should be upset because whatever, but like I think sex has really triggered her at times. And, you know, she's a very chaste, like devout Muslim and really raised me in, in like a very puritanical Muslim way. So I think it was just very shocking to hear me publicly talk about stuff like that. And, um, she's been, you know, very hurt and affected by that at different moments. And I definitely felt very bad, you know, for hurting her. Um, and then that conflicts with like what you're supposed to do as a comic, which is just like say everything and be completely honest. And it's been definitely challenging at times for sure. I've definitely been there. My mom just recently found a TikTok that I made, which is so fucking hilarious that my mom found it where Mm. I was, um, cursing at my cat like not like in a mean abusive way just like in a funny way and she was so upset about it like when like just so she was like why would you put this on the internet like why why would you do this like why would you put this video out like how is this funny like and she like was so sad she like wouldn't talk to me for a day I felt awful and I was like dude mom it's just supposed to be like funny like it's not it's not that serious but she was so upset by it and it just a part of me is just kind of like, I don't want to, obviously I'm not a comedian, so I don't think it's of the same caliber of like, you know, openness and just kind of that environment. But even having a podcast talking about things, I'm like, God, I just hope my mom never fucking hears this, which luckily she has no interest in anything I do on social media, which is really working out for me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I definitely had to talk to my mom and be like, listen, please like, don't listen to my podcasts but she still does i think she's just kind of like (laughs) accepted that i'm not a uh imam i'm like (laughs) you're not i mean (laughs) in my google search of you your mom shows up a lot there's lots of pictures of your mom for some reason not not sure why that's never really happened to me before when I like try to like look people up online but your mom is so cute she's like one of those ladies like this is this is how I thought immediately when I saw her, I'm like, if I saw her at the masjid and she tried to talk to me, I wouldn't instantly be like annoyed or defensive. Like I would be like receptive to her speaking to me. Cause she just like has this like look on her face of like, I just like want peace and happiness and like the love of God for everyone. Yeah, no, she, she is truly like a, like nun or monk level, like saint of a like spiritual person. Cause she really doesn't, she, she has been like, you know, somewhat hurt or critical of like my behavior as her son, but like overall, and she, she's just like extremely open to like all people of all faiths and just loves talking to people of of like different circumstances. And like, she really is like this incredible person and she's probably all over the internet because she's like pretty active on social media, you know, like, Oh, that's cool. Her Instagram is just like 
pictures of flowers and i mean she's just like a, a mom on instagram you know? yeah but yeah she really she's awesome she she's like a really good face of islam and she you know she wears a hijab and she's like very devout but she's also like sufi and and has some sort of a bit a bit of a different view on things yeah. than like the more traditional way so no, I remember learning about Sufism or like just getting really into it when I was like in college and just I think that like even though I don't consider myself a Sufi, I think there's a lot about Sufism that like any Muslim or any person really can just kind of like take and like apply to their life and it will improve their approach to life and just like their quality of life because it's just very much so about like having a deep connection. Yeah, I mean it's it's more about like becoming like God, like that, that seems to be a lot of what Sufism is, is, you know, adopting the qualities of God and becoming as much like God as you possibly can while you're on earth. And it's almost like parallels to like reaching enlightenment, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're, you like merge with God. So I don't know if that is much different than like traditional Islam, because that's how I was raised. But you know, like doing zikr and all these practices that are very spiritual are, are more about like adopting God's qualities rather than like just praying to God. It's more of yeah. like a, pra- a practice of like, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be loving. Like, it's all just about like becoming as good of a human being as, as possible, which is cool, you know? Yeah. I'm always a fan of when people are trying to not be shitty. Um, but mm-hmm. I want, I was, I was wondering, cause I, I, like I said, I read that article that you did in the times and you kind of talked about like you being a kid and not celebrating Christmas. Like no one in your extended family celebrated Christmas. Like you weren't able to like, I don't know, kind of like sneak your way in, like sneak in a little bit of Christmas joy. No, um, there was <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Well, the the confusing thing, too, was in my community, like, I had friends who grew up in the same Sufi community who celebrated Christmas. Yeah. um, Because they, their parents were just, I mean, my, I think also my parents were just, like, very anti-materialistic. So Christmas to them represented, like, materialism and, like, like, it, it just represented stuff that they weren't really into. So that was part of why we didn't do it. But also, like, yeah, I had friends who celebrated Christmas and I would like go over to their houses and see the tree and all the presents and just be like, God, I like, I want that so bad. I wanted that. Like, and I used to be like, Oh, I wish my mom didn't wear a hijab. And I wish like I was more normal and blah, blah, blah. And it really like, you know, made me feel very much like, like an outsider as a child, which you know, it's definitely why I'm a comedian. Like, and, and now I can look back on it and be like, wow, what an amazing gift I was given, you know? But as a kid, it's, it's like, it's fucking hard. It's just like, you're at the mall and your mom's wearing a hijab and like people are looking at her weird and you're just like, Oh, I wish I was normal. Yeah. Yeah. And like, do you think that you looking basically like every other white kid made it better or worse? Cause I mean, you look like a white man. Like if I saw you on the street, I wouldn't be like, that guy's name is probably Ahmed. Like I would be like, that guy's name is like Bob. <laughs> I, I look, yeah, I've gotten Bob before. I've gotten Isaac 
a bunch. You look like an Isaac. You could definitely be an Isaac. Yeah, people, I've heard that in groups where they're like, your name would be Isaac if it wasn't Ahmed. And everyone's like, yes, that's yeah. it. Like, like it feels <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like still a little like biblical, but it's it's not Muslim. Yeah, I get it. But I think it's made it easier for sure. You know, like I never had to deal with like racism or um, I didn't even really realize that Islam was viewed in in like with the stereotypes that it's viewed with until 9-11 because I didn't I hadn't come across any sort of racism or stereotyping because I was just another white kid at my school who had a weird name and and like we went on a field trip to my mosque and like everyone knew I was Muslim but I don't think they saw me as different because I was white so as gross as that is it definitely made it easier I think do you get that a lot? People just like assuming that you're a convert or a revert. Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, maybe, maybe when I go to the mosque uh, in, in LA, people just look at me and assume I'm a convert. Cause yeah, all the white, all the white dudes who are like there are probably converts. I would imagine. So, but maybe I'm <laughs> stereotyping them, but like, <laughs> I'm like, you're literally, you're doing the thing. Like, yeah, you're doing, doing it right now. Yeah. But I mean, hey, that's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's honestly like people ask me if I'm a convert and I'm like, what the fuck are you even saying? Like, have you seen my nose? Like, it's very much screaming. Like I'm Palestinian. Like, like a lady recently told me, she was like, well, you don't look like the other women. Like they just look so like upset and like, they look like they're so hot in their clothes. And I'm like, no, they're fine. (laughs) Interesting. No one's like overheating. And also like, I, you know, I'm not different. Like I am different than them, but like ultimately, no, it's kind of the same thing. They just are choosing to dress differently than I do. Like it's just like a fashion preference. Yeah. I mean, it's, it all comes back to the clothing. It's really interesting. (laughs) Like it's all like, it's all about how close fitting your clothing is and like it, it like probably makes americans feel comfortable that you're like it does showing that you have a body like it, it probably is like they, they relate to that and i have no accent when i speak that makes them feel really good like that makes them feel safe i feel like i just see the way people talk to my dad sometimes because he has an accent and i'm i'm like people don't talk to me that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and he doesn't even pick up on it, which makes me so fucking angry. Cause he can't, he just can't tell when someone is being condescending towards him. I don't know why. Like, I don't know why this, <laughs> he's not able. And I'm just like, Baba, like this person is being a dick to you. And he's like, what? No, that man is so nice. And I'm like, no, Baba, this is infuriating. He's like, no, he's a good person. Like my dad just like wants to believe the best in everyone. And I'm like, no, they're terrible. Um, but <laughs> Well, that's a good quality to have. You guys probably don't know this, but uh, we had an issue where I was thinking Eastern Standard Time for recording and Ahmed thought it was um, LA time. And so I was waiting for him for 20 minutes, not to him, but I did curse him out to one of my friends. So, but we're friends right. now. It's fine. Yeah, I stood you up, but I didn't mean to stood you up. I just was <laughs> not aware that time worked differently here than where you are. I mean, time is just a construct. Time is a construct. And I'm just like out of practice with like taking anything seriously because of COVID. So I'm just like, I'm just out of practice with like being a good adult, honestly. But I feel like 
you're doing, you're, you're putting a lot of content online. Are you shooting this during COVID or is it just like stuff that you had and like, you're just posting it now? Oh, like sketches. Yeah. I've shot a few during COVID and yeah, I'm going to shoot more. I mean, I have like, luckily a close group of friends who, you know, are like able to help me shoot stuff. And I have like access to doing that without being, without like endangering myself. So I'm lucky. And you have the antibodies. I do have the antibodies. I kind of like, don't know how that works though. I feel like you should just run with it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't dude. Like I, I have to be careful. Like I have a girlfriend and I I just like, you know, I don't want to like assume, like I went home and visited my parents and I had to like be super careful because I don't want to, I just can't assume that there's not like other types of COVID that I can get that. Right. And it would be like a huge bummer if like you killed your parents. Like it was your fault. Suck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so scary to see them. I was like really, really, it, it just the idea. And like, I had nightmares when I was home that like I gave them COVID, you know, it's just, it really is terrifying, but Hey, I didn't give them COVID. So good job. That's great. I'm happy to hear that because yeah, I mean, every time I visit my parents, my dad is super nonchalant about it. He's like, come sit right next to me. And I'm like, dad, no, you're like 74. You have several health conditions. Like I will kill you if I have it. And my mom is like fucking sitting like in the kitchen while I'm in the living room and she like has a mask on and like I have a mask on and she like almost doesn't even want to like look in my general direction when she's speaking to me because she's just so paranoid about it. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely of the more cautious approach. Um, but also, yeah, like I just constantly, I wonder though, if my parents didn't live close to me where I could visit them, if I would be as cautious, like, I think I would, I like to think I would, but like just the thought of like doing anything, like I considered going to hot yoga when things were kind of slowing down and I'm not going to lie. I went, I went once and then Mm -hmm. I would freak the fuck out and I'm like, I'm not doing that again. It's not worth it. I like sweating and I can just like go sit outside. Like this is Florida. Like I don't need to go to hot yoga to do that because if I get COVID and then give it to my parents, like that would just be such a bummer. Oh my God. I mean, the idea of like giving your parents COVID is just like such a nightmare. And like right now we're all, it's like this perfect storm of like a a thing to like torture you. Cause a lot of people are so alone, but then you like can't go home, which is the one place you can always go when you, when you feel, when you feel alone. So you're, you're alone. And then you are like uh, craving like your parent parental or your family connection and you like can't do it. And you're like, I'll kill them. It's like, it's, it's this like perfect torture device. It's not funny. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing, but you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like, I mean, I live alone. I lo- I'm lucky in that I, I love being alone like that's something that like I enjoy but like yeah I think it's hard for people who are like so used to like socializing all the time and like you said like if you're not able to go home it's like that feels very isolating and can definitely fuck with your head yeah yeah I mean I'm not used to going home because I live all the way out here but it's still like the idea that the option isn't there is is like terrifying um so we're, have you been in quarantine with your girlfriend like the whole time um yeah pretty much we actually met during quarantine so we like how <laughs> um 
literally we met on a virtual party, which is like, <laughs> there was this app called House Party. And I'm was, familiar. This is why did we not start with this? Holy shit, this is so interesting. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Um, like we we were I was hanging out on house party every night when I was like super quarantined and I met her, you know, because she was like hanging out with my friends on house party. And we just became friends. And she like lived in LA and then went to Colorado to live with her brother for a couple months. And we just like stayed in contact. And, and, um, when she moved back to LA, we started like hanging out and then, uh, yeah, it is just like, it's kind of like a miracle that I met someone during quarantine and now I'm like in a relationship, but it's, I feel like that's not a thing that I've heard anyone else say. So this is very, I'm excited for you. That's fucking, that's a really great meet cute story. Like on house party during COVID, like that's very cute. I know. It's almost like a movie. It's like two, yeah. it's like two, we, we talk about how like cute and cool it is. And then we're like, wait, maybe it's like going to be a very like hacky plot premise, you know, in a few years <laughs> when people are all making COVID content and like, probably. Yeah. But it's coming. It, it's definitely coming. Oh, all that shit's coming. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's been, I mean, she's great. And we're just like, we just get along and it just makes the whole thing like much easier for sure. I feel like I'm less productive, but I'm much happier. So it's, it's a fair trade off. It seems, yeah, it seems like a fair sacrifice to me, especially like, I feel like a new relationship, like it's really exciting. And then you're like stuck together all the time. So that's really fucking cute because that's what you want usually at the beginning of a relationship, but then you like have to do other things. So you can't just be together all the time but you can. No, I know. It's crazy. Like we, we just like immediately started like basically living together. You know, it's, it's like dating in quarantine is like this hyper, um, advanced version of dating where you're like every month. Lesbian speed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we, we like joke about it's like dating in like dog years. Like you're just, (laughs) we're, we're like a year in and we've been dating for like two months. That's how it feels. That's um, so crazy. Uh, so yeah. I want to ask you this because I don't have many male guests on. So number one, mm-hmm. you should feel very special. But also, anytime I've had a Muslim male guest on, like I feel like they never want to talk about this. But I feel like I can ask you because you'll answer. Do mm-hmm. you? How do you feel about dating? Like as a Muslim man, like do you want to date a Muslim girl? Do you not want to date a Muslim girl? Do you not give a shit? Have you ever dated a Muslim girl? That was like seventeen different questions, but you know, <laughs> answer answer them in whatever order you see fit. I mean, that's a good, that's a lot of good questions. I mean, my first, my first girlfriend when I was like young, um, I think it was like eighth grade or seventh grade, like that young was like a, a, a Muslim girl in my community. And like, it was like not a real relationship. We were just kids, but yeah. yeah. Um, since then I haven't actually dated a Muslim I've been dating all different types of people and I'm not opposed to dating a Muslim and maybe I don't know like how Muslims date or like how they find each other and I'm just like not on those apps or in those circles or yeah I mean I've, I've definitely been at the mosque where women are like hey you you like gotta marry my daughter and I'm like uh I oh wow know. Yeah, like you, you know what I'm talking about. Like Muslims are always like, "Are you married?" And I'm like, "No." And they're they're like, "Well, you should marry this girl I know." And 
you know, it's like, uh, I, I like dating actually before I marry someone. <laughs> That's a great way to make them just stop talking to you completely. Like, actually, I'm really just looking for a girlfriend that I can have lots of sex with and then decide if I want to marry her. That'll make people stop offering their children to you, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the way my mom thinks about it, I think is like, if you, your, your relationship kind of is a marriage. Like even if you're not like, if you, even if you didn't like sign that document or have that, that ceremony, like a serious relationship is basically the same thing as a marriage. So as far as like a marriage being like, I don't think it makes it a more beautiful, like exalted connection. If you, if you get married, I'm, I'm open to, getting married. I I think I want to get married. Um, and I like romanticizing about, you know, being married and all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think like that, that make or break that makes or breaks, whether a relationship is like real or, or like good, you know? Yeah. And I think this has always been kind of my view of like relationships in general and like marriage. Like I think what should be viewed more as an accomplishment is like sustaining a relationship for like a long period of time, like regardless of whether you're married a lot. Cause I, or not, because I think it's hard to do that, to bring two different people together and then like make it work for like an extended period of time. Like that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents got married. They, they knew each other for a while. They never dated, I guess, but they like were friends for a long time. And, um, and then got married and, you know, they had, they didn't like, uh, they didn't like date or anything or like hook up before getting married. So they like, I could just like imagine, like, I, I don't think this happened, but your parents being like, yeah, we just like didn't date and like, we didn't hook up just in case you're wondering. <laughs> FYI. Yeah. I don't think they've used that terminology, but yeah, it'd be um, funny. Yeah. They definitely didn't date in a traditional way the way that I have and when I was young my mom was didn't want me dating you know but I but she's been very understanding of like me and how I'm not like her and how I am like you know I'm earnestly trying to find someone that I want to be with for the rest of my life and for me that's dating you know it's yeah. like it was diff- it's different for her but but yeah, I mean, your mom seems like a cool lady. Honestly, I, I, I'm very, I, I like her, her approach to things and to Islam. Like, I feel like I'm like, you know what? She should be the poster child for Islam. I want, I elect her. Cause I like that. That's a great way to think about it. And yeah, like you just have to like, accept the fact that things are just so different. And like, I also think with like, you know, now you can meet someone on house party. Like the options are endless so i think that that also makes things a little bit trickier um and also you should be sponsored by house party because now i want to download the app and i'm like (laughs) i mean it's way better than dating apps to be honest it's dating apps there's always like this weird tension of like that that's the only purpose of the app it's just everything is so corny every just everything that any guy says like i just like imagine a guy like being like you know what i want to put this picture of myself because i look good in it and then like writing out some dumb little fucking thing that they think is so cute and witty and like i think about it i'm like this is so disgusting i hate everything about it yeah i mean it's hard as a guy to be like well do i want to like 
make myself like look hot or do I want to like make myself look funny or like how do it's like hard because you're creating a persona that is like specifically to try to attract women. So I think it's, yeah. I mean, the challenge is just to like be yourself, I think, but I think it's hard. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's definitely harder for men. Are you on like, yeah. Oh yeah. Are you on like a bunch of dating apps? Are you like on the Muslim ones or? I'm on one of the Muslim ones. That one I check maybe like once a month and it's so bleak and, but it is really fun though to send screenshots to my friends and then like we laugh about it. And it's like a fun, it's like a group activity. Um, but dating apps in general, in my experience are not great. Um, I didn't download them until quarantine and like, I guess I'm not that active on them. So maybe that's why I haven't had a good experience. Like I'll start a conversation with someone and then not check the app for like a month. And then I'll like yeah. go back. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's like a lot of like follow up and I'm just like not interested enough to do it. Like I've always just met people through life. So it's also very strange to me. Like, it, like I said, it's, it's, I think it's much different for girls and I think a lot of people can relate to like me never being attracted to someone based off of like, you know, some little fucking bio. It's like, how are they like how do I how do they interact with me like what's their demeanor like like that's what will either make me attracted to someone or not but like through an app you can't really gauge that at all yeah that's true and it's even weirder like people are doing like FaceTime dating and like social distance dating and yeah it's like a lot it's a lot right now I think and I feel very lucky, but I also know like, you know, it's okay to be single. It's not a big deal. It's great. I highly recommend it. (laughs) You love it. You're like, you're, you feel that you value your independence. I really, really do. Like, honestly, like it's, I just, I don't know. Like, I think it's great being in a relationship. Like I, it's not, it's not even like a dig, like, Oh, being in a relationship sucks. No, being in a relationship is great. But like when you're single, if you just kind of aren't like obsessed with finding someone and you just like take the time to like, make sure like your, your home is like everything you want it to be. And you can do anything you want. And like, if you put like chips and dip out, like no one else is going to eat it. It'll still Mm -hmm. be there. Like that's yours. And there's something, there's something nice about that. There's something nice about putting, I don't know why I'm talking about food, but like something nice about putting food in the fridge and then it being there and no one else eating it. Like I just, it's nice. That's nice. I also, I mean, (laughs) I like being in a relationship because like when you split things, I think it's really cute. Like when you're like, it is buying groceries together or like splitting some sort of, uh, experience that you both had it's like really cute that you're like sharing it in this like monetary way also it's like there's something like fun about that and like but, going to a restaurant which i guess you can't really do now i will say going to a restaurant when you're in a relationship does give you more options because it's like i'm gonna order this you're gonna order that i'm gonna have half of your thing you're gonna have half of my thing and you don't need it's like yeah. an unspoken agreement like but like this is gonna be like a meal collaboration yeah yeah totally yeah that part's really fun um when like you start to like notice things that are annoying about each other i think that's really funny (laughs) you're like i love that that's my favorite thing i mean it's just yeah because it's always it always just feels like you're in a movie like i feel like (laughs) i'm like i'm like a guy who like leaves drawers open 
And now I'm like, now I know that. And I didn't now, know that. Yeah, now you know that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I was like living, al- like I'm basically living alone for the past like six years. So I didn't need to close the drawers because I'm the only one here and I just am going back in that drawer later. So I might as well just leave it open. But now I'm realizing <laughs> that that's wrong. And that that's, that's no, that, like you're saying that and like, I just like, it's, it was a little hard for me to breathe. I was like, why would you do that? Why would you not just close the drawer? Like, <laughs> just close yeah. the drawer. Like it, it, it's so much better when you just close it. It's so easy. You just push it and it's closed. I mean, guys just think differently about drawers. That's just yeah. what we have to, we have to and, like clothes on the floor and stuff like that. And like not drying towels properly. And just all the things that you see in movies, guys, they're real. <laughs> Yeah, for all the single listeners out there. Yeah, you have to concede to, like, losing arguments, for sure. That's, like, a big one. I think that's, like, a male thing. (laughs) No, that's what I mean. Okay, yeah, because I was like, I feel like I'm just always right all the time. And then it just, like, if I am in a relationship, it's just, like, kind of them being like, you know what, you are right. And me being like, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, all these old men at weddings are always like, Hey, you got a tip for you. Just tell her she's always right, you know? And you're like, okay, that's like an old boomer, like whatever. But then you realize like, oh, that that's actually like very deep wisdom. I think women just end up doing so much more for men that they deserve these things. Okay, so like how do men on dating apps, Muslim men, like how do they hit on you versus like other religious people or like whatever, secular people? Like what's the difference? Is it like hi, you're beautiful. I would like to marry you. No, it's never that. Cause here's the other thing that I've noticed. Like I hate Muslim men and I feel comfortable saying that because I think everyone already knows that. Like, I just feel like in my experience, 10 out of 10, like I wouldn't recommend dating a Muslim man. Uh, no offense to you, Isaac. I just, I don't know, but you know what I am going to do? I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to do it. I don't even know. I was like, I'm going to download fucking house party. I'm like, no, that's just a lie. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But, um, it was really fun having you on. Honestly, this is a great conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Anything you want to plug anything that people should watch? Just all the things. Oh, um, yeah. So like my, my handles are always just my name, Ahmed Weinberg, A-H-A-M-E-D. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and not really Facebook actually, but I have a couple, yeah, I have a web series on Amazon prime called, uh, please understand me that I really am proud of. And, um, what else? A, a web series on comedy central, called the Hamid's Ramadan diary and some other stuff. You just type my name in Google. Basically you'll find it. Just um, do what yeah. I did. Yeah. Just stalk me. Learn about yeah. my mom. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's a very nice lady. Um, yeah, I'll have all of that in the description box. And as always, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Nor E. You can follow the podcast where you will see a picture of Ahmed's face at Arab American Psycho on Instagram. And I will talk to you guys next Sunday.